1: Go to sylvan29.com to learn more
0: and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com.
2: All right, Pete Sweeney here, and you are about to listen to another edition of the Arrowhead Pride Editor's Show. As it turned out, it is... Wednesday morning we ended up recording the show on Tuesday and we recorded it before the breaking news that the Kansas City Chiefs had made the tough decision to release and move on from Anthony Hitchens. I'm briefly joined by Steven Cerdo. We're going to discuss this for a few minutes here and then get to your editor show that was recorded on Tuesday. So Steve, I think we kind of understand where the Chiefs were going with this. There was Statements released by Brett Veach and he said when I first became a general manager one of the first moves I wanted to make was to bring in Anthony Hitchens from Dallas we knew how intelligent hardworking and consistent he was as a player and we knew he'd become a selfless leader he was that and more he has all the intangibles and was an integral piece in our winning in our franchise winning a Super Bowl title we appreciate everything he's done for the organization and wish him the best as he continues his career I really enjoyed the opportunity to coach Anthony over the last four years. This is Andy Reid. He's as tough as they come in this league and is a team first player. I appreciate the way he came to work, ready to do his part, but also his willingness to teach the younger guys around him. The Chiefs will save approximately $8.4 million in cap space, and we estimate that right now at Arrowhead pride to be around $11.7 million. So this is tough because this is a player who – was around for the final year of Bob Sutton, and I think played a, a pivotal role in really turning the the defense around. As it turned out, there are hard reminders, I think, sometimes in this business. I think back to the Chiefs cutting Eric Berry and moving on from Justin Houston and Tamba Ali, where it gets to a certain point where you have to make a business decision. The cap forces teams to do that, and, and I think that's what this was today.
0: Yeah, listen, I've been hard on Anthony Hitchens over the last several years. I still think the Chiefs paid him way too much money, but they weren't necessarily paying him for his production on the field. Like Anthony Hitchens is a fine NFL linebacker. He's not an elite playmaker or anything like that, but he has been instrumental in the development that we saw this past season and their young rookie linebacker, Nick Bolton. I think he's been hugely instrumental in the development of linebacker Willie Gay who are going to be cornerstones of the Chiefs' defense moving forward. So he's been an impactful player. Like He spent a good four years here where the Chiefs obviously accomplished a ton with him on the roster, but this was a move they had to make because he's simply just too expensive.
2: I remember when Brett Veach took over, the two players that he really went after were wide receiver Sammy Watkins and linebacker Anthony Hitchens. On the offense and defensive side of of the ball, these were the guys I think that he was – Zoning in on, and, and he went out and he got them. And you know, you, you can make a case okay, well, maybe they sh- spent too much money, maybe they shouldn't have restructured, maybe they did, it, did this to did that. Now, these types of deals led to a title. Like maybe Anthony Hitchens wasn't the best player last year, but he was an integral part of Steve Spagnolo coming in. I had mentioned this in our article for Arrowhead Pride. He became what was the glue of the defense and someone who asked the players questions every day you know, sometimes it's great to hear how the players feel about a certain message from the coaching staff and Spagnolo and Hitchens had this relationship where Hitchens was essentially a coach on the field. He had what they call the green dot. And I, I think the chiefs really saw this year that Nick Bolton showed an ability to be able to do that, to fill in that role. And I think Hitchens to his credit played such a, a guiding role in making sure that Bolton was ready And I think it's tough to do that. It it actually, in a sense, reminds me of Chiefs quarterback Alex Smith, where the guy knows this is the last year he's ever going to have this job, and he still mentors Patrick Mahomes. Now, when you're talking about linebackers, that's to a bit of a a lesser extent. But Anthony Hitchens knew the better Bolton was, the more likely it was that the Chiefs were going to move on and and save $8.4 million, and they they do just that. So now this is Nick Bolton's middle – Linebacker role and I, I think it, it says something about the Chiefs to to do this early before free agency begins so now Anthony Hitchens released and has his ties cut he's free to go and shop around and see who likes him before the other teams have any access to these players and I know we're not going to get Andy Reid on this in a press conference but this is something he usually says where it's okay this this player meant a lot to this franchise we're cutting ties early so we can catch on with someone else. Anthony Hitchens is 29 years old and I think the greater thing is it seems like it was a understanding where uh probably understood, you know, where the organization was coming from and, and if you just think about that stretch and again it was a, a lot of players that had to do with this but I just I, Anthony Hitchens was integral in four straight AFC title trips, two AFC titles one super bowl i know we're still fresh off what was the wound of the afc title uh, game loss to the cincinnati bengals but you know if you could separate yourself from that a little bit and just try to think about what that would mean down the line you know those four trips the two afc titles a championship something that kansas city waited for for 50 years and to be able to be a lead in that transition and and build younger players. I, I just think it speaks to Hitchens and it's one of those guys I think that leaves Kansas city. And in a sense, you hope he heads to somewhere like in the NFC. So in a way you could, you could root from afar. I know that uh, by the end of the Steve, and you were kind of saying yourself, wasn't great. Wasn't great at the end. It seemed like he had lost a step, but that's the NFL. And now he can go to another team again, hopefully the NFC where makes a little bit less money is a nice rotational piece. And when you're not in a sense overpaying, I think you understand that uh, as the fan base that will end up getting him.
0: Tony Hitchens is a great guy. I think he was (laughs) a great locker room presence for this Kansas city chiefs team. He was never an elite player during his time here in Kansas city. And I do think that Brett Veach way overpaid him, but I think the reason they held him here for four years was because of the leadership that we saw in him as a veteran player. And I think that, the Chiefs really bought into that, and that is a model that they have really tried to build the roster with. We've talked about it a ton on Arrowhead Pride. This is an off-season of change for this Chiefs team in a lot of ways, and Anthony Hitchens was just the first piece to get moved. This may, makes more sense out of any roster move they could make, almost even over Frank Clark. This was the one that absolutely makes the most sense. You knew he was not going to be back on this team next year, and there's going to be other guys that certainly aren't going to be back, and we'll continue to see how those fall.
2: Yeah, Frank Clark you know, could be a a, a pay cut candidate. I don't know if he'll, he'll be happy with that. I, I'd imagine he wouldn't be. Um, and you know, you have to figure out what the Chiefs are gonna do with Tyron Matthew and Orlando Brown Jr. There's the Tyree Kill situation. So this is just the first of many decisions the Chiefs are gonna to have to make both with their own and then when they get to free agency, who they want to use this money to invest in. Again, this is something the Anthony Hitchens being cut. Uh, It's news that happened after we recorded the editor's show on Tuesday, so we wanted to give you a little bit there, but right now we'll go to myself and John Dixon to cover the rest of the Chiefs news over the past week, and here we go. (music) And away we go. It's another edition of the Arrowhead Pride Editor Show. My name is Pete Sweeney. I'm the editor-in-chief of ArrowheadPride.com. And I'm once again joined by my esteemed deputy editor, John Dixon. John, the NFL world is talking about Aaron Rodgers and his Instagram media post. And (laughs) I couldn't help but think thank God there's nothing to worry about our quarterback in social media. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> yes. First world problems there. Yes. I'm, First I'm all world about problem. that
2: Of course, yes. Uh, of course, it's been an interesting week in Kansas City. We're going to get to the real news, the actual news with some chops to it, coming up on this podcast, another edition of the Arrowhead Pride Editor Show. In our second segment, we'll talk about the most improved player for the Chiefs in 2021. We'll make some predictions for 20. 22, But first, as always, we have to get to the ratings and the reviews. And we finally got one in. Oh, a new a new one, a five star review. As I mentioned last week, we're continuing these efforts throughout the offseason. If you leave us a review, we will read it on the Arrowhead Pride Editor's show. Thanks for all you do. Your pods are a weekly staple in my car and bring some Casey to me every day. It must be someone who lives uh, far away, John. Yeah, question, like question. And this will lead us right into our, our first news story. So this is oh. a perfect segue. So thank Excellent. you to this listener. Question is Orlando Brown secretly a high priority to extend simply because it allows the Chiefs to use the franchise tag maybe on Matthew this year and Tyreek in 2023 and avoid having to do the same thing with him next year. P.S., I will contend that the worst thing about the AFC title game loss was actually that we didn't get the great British Chiefs show on site in L.A. Thanks again, <laughs> Nate. Well, let me just say, Nate, we weren't going to get that anyway. They would have still been in the great United Kingdom. But I would have liked to hear some, some Super Bowl takes. So I, we did miss out on that. unfortunately. I've got that LA Super Bowl. But let's read that question again, John, as we get into our first story. Um, is Orlando Brown secretly a high priority to extend simply because it allows the chiefs to use the franchise tag, maybe on Matthew this year in Tyreek in 2023 and avoid having to do the same thing with him next year. So we actually are recording this on Tuesday. I do want to mention that we're going to release it on Wednesday. So you're hearing this on Wednesday morning. We're talking about the franchise tag window opening up on Tuesday, John, you covered this for us this morning on arrowhead pride so what does that exactly mean for those listeners who aren't familiar
1: well the teams have uh, two weeks to apply tags to players there's three different kinds uh, exclusive franchise tags non-exclusive franchise tags and transition tags Um, usually we're talking about the first kind the 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 exclusive franchise tag I, i think that's which one it is And uh, that's the one that's most often used. I don't see any reason for the Chiefs to be any different than that this year. The speculation has always been, of course, that uh, Orlando Brown was the guy that was most likely to be tagged this year. that would hold him to the team uh, for the coming season at a set rate determined by the highest contracts in the league. And then they could decide what they want to do with him next year. Um, I think this uh, this person is bringing up an interesting point. Nate, thank you for that. Uh, that maybe they're thinking about doing something else with the franchise tag and put a higher priority on signing Brown uh, so they can use the tag on somebody else. And, uh, you know, maybe that's what they have in mind. I think the problem is, as far as the Chiefs are concerned, is that Tyron Matthew will be very expensive on the franchise tag. Um, And I don't know if you want to put that kind of money into a player at Matthew's age at this point. I think if he plays for the Chiefs in 2022, it's because they've, uh, made a contract deal with him That gives him a pretty low cap number For this coming season That's just my opinion You could be yeah, right it, There could be something going on So
2: right now From ESPN Some local media Everybody's kind of saying That's going to be Orlando Brown That's the sure. expectation That's been my expectation Since he signed I mean there were talks Right away when he signed Like Orlando Brown In coming here Also realizes that His contract might not come Until twenty. 20- 23 and i i think this is a credit to brett veach and and probably something that is pro veach and maybe anti big john and what i'm talking about not you john big john dorsey who i really liked i really really liked him but the long-term planning sometimes with the financials it just was not as polished as it is now with brett veach and i think veach in in trading i think all this was talked about prior to brown coming and you could kind of tell from i i think the national reports at the time they said right away. Ian Rappaport and NFL Network reported immediately once Brown was acquired that this would probably a, a, be a, a franchise tag situation. And uh, to answer your question, and and this is where I, I think it's it's interesting. So the franchise tag for Orlando Brown will cost somewhere between we think sixteen and seventeen million, probably mm-hmm. around sixteen five. Right. Uh, the defensive back and safety. Is point five four million. It should be around there. So you think, okay, well, the the safety franchise tag might be cheaper. But I I think what you got to look at then is the um, is the annual per year value of a left tackle to a safety of the highest paid in the league. And Orlando Brown is going to want to sign for that. Because if he's going to sign for a long-term deal, he, he's going to have to be among, I would say, the highest paid mm-hmm. in the league. Yeah. The average per year value at the left tackle position, so we're going to Trent Williams, David Bakhtiari, Laramie Tunstall, Colton Miller, 23, 23, 22, 18. The safety position, now we're talking Jamal Adams, Harrison Smith, Justin Simmons, Buddha Baker, 17, 16, 15. 15 14 So you're talking about long-term deals. Even if you are making Tyron, what is the high end of the market, that'll still ultimately when you do all the math of, okay, the tag goes up to Brown and then you maybe work out a deal with Matthew, even if it's among these, I don't expect him to be the highest paid safety in the league. If he yeah. is, it's, it's not going to be with the chiefs in my opinion. So that is really, I think the most savings that you get for 2022 contract for safety versus contract for left tackle is why, it's always been an Orlando Brown tag thing. And we discussed this before we got on, John. We don't necessarily expect, I mean, it's possible, but we don't expect him to be mm-hmm. tagged until the end of this window because there is always these negotiations. And, and you know, Brett Veach has quite a, a brain trust with the great Chris Shea and Tillis. These guys are people, by the way. They seem like the Wizard of Oz, but they're very smart guys. I, I see them <laughs> bouncing around the press, the press box on Sundays. And maybe there's something that can be figured out, you know, to to this listener's listener's point. But we would probably expect this to come in, in the coming days of, of news that Orlando Brown um, is tagged. And I think rare. This isn't, I don't think, a posturing move. I, I just think this is ultimately going to be the thing. And we'll see what maybe the long term deal looks like for what would be the 2023 season.
1: Yeah, I think that makes sense. It It struck me this morning. Ah, uh, with all the tweets from the national NFL reporters pointing out that this was the beginning of the franchise tag uh, period today, every one of them in naming the top five candidates to be franchise tagged mentioned Orlando Brown Jr. Um, Worst so kept it, secret in the NFL. Yeah, I yeah. guess <laughs> <laughs> so. It's not just us the that the feel this chiefs way. Chiefs
2: and Bucks in Russia, which yeah. we, we already revealed to you. Or not Russia. I, I have I have I've have war on the brain. Germany. Excuse me. I, I've read too many Ukraine, Russia articles this morning and I have Russia on the brain. Germany. Uh, that would be that is the worst chief's thing. bucks in the Ukraine. That'd be great. That'd be. Great. Yeah. Let's not <laughs> let's not send any chiefs there. You know how people are always like, let's protect Patrick Mahomes at all costs. He needs to stay as far from Ukraine as possible. A uh, little war joke for you there, I guess. Weird okay so let's
1: get back to
2: what we're talking about <laughs> yes it seems like the worst kept uh, secret in in the nfl um the fact that orlando brown jr will indeed be tagged and, and we expect that in the coming days again we're recording this on tuesday releasing it on wednesday so by the time you listen i guess there is a small chance that it, it might have happened already but there we go and then as an extension and we've we've beaten this horse, John. And there's no new news. We'll just have to see with Tyron Matthew. We just right. it's, a, it's a wait and see. And the only point that you can take away from this is when, and we expect when Brown to be tagged. That'll solidify that Matthew needs to uh, agree to a long term uh, extension with the Chiefs or some kind of short term deal uh, to remain in Kansas City for. Uh, what would be the 2022 season. Uh, Fascinating to watch. And as I'll reiterate from last episode, it seems like Matthew has kind of quieted down on that front when it comes to the social Mm -hmm. media. Uh, So we'll see how, how that all plays out. All right. uh, Next news story here. Now, former chiefs defensive backs and cornerbacks coach Sam Madison, uh, it was announced last week that he would be heading to the Miami dolphins as a defensive backs coach and a pass game coordinator. It seems like a slight promotion for him, but he he is familiar with the Miami area. That's where he spent most of his playing days. That's where he had his best playing days. So this seems like a win-win for Sam Madison. I don't know if he necessarily wanted to leave the chiefs, but this opportunity because of his Miami roots was probably too good to pass up. And, I think this is a significant loss for the Chiefs. I mean, I'm not going to beat around the bush here. Sometimes these things are are, are small, and, and I, I wonder – you still have Andy Reid, so you lose Mike Kafka, you're not really all that worried about it, but just the play of guys like Rashad Fenton, Jarius Need, Traverius Ward. I mean, we credit Matthew with that, but you also have to credit the coaching staff and mm-hmm. for yeah. Madison uh, to be leaving out know, You still have Dave Merritt, who was, it seemed like, the main – defensive backs coach, but you're losing this cornerback specialist, and uh, it's two-pronged here. I, I think the loss for Madison is big, and uh, my God, what a, a great interview too, when we would occasionally right. get him at the podium. Right. And then I, I think too, it, it remains to be seen if the Chiefs replace him, because I they do already have a, a corner or I should say a defensive backs coach in, in Sam Madison. I tend to think they will, but again, they don't necessarily have to because they have that room sort of shored up In a way, but man uh, Congratulations to to Madison
1: And big shoes to fill, I think Yeah, I was going to make that same point That uh, he's always very impressive when he speaks To the media, I I always, when I Hear him speak, I always think this guy really (laughs) Knows what he's doing, so uh, I'll be sad to see him go But, uh, you know, the Chiefs Have always been able to find uh, Good coaches uh, under Andy Reid And I don't expect this to be any different If they feel they need to replace Madison They'll find somebody and he'll you'll get the job done. I have a lot of confidence in this particular aspect of the Chiefs organization. They've they've done very well on their assistant coaches uh, since Andy Reid came to town. So um, while Madison is certainly going to be a loss, um, I'm not terribly worried that they uh, will have difficulty finding a replacement for him. Speaking
2: of Kafka and Madison, and I want to also draw attention to Matt House and then Executive Director of Player Personnel, Ryan Poles, who has been uh, with the Chiefs, you know, was over, was with the Chiefs for over a decade and is now with the Chicago Bears as general manager. We've been waiting for a while for this regime to start losing bodies as mm-hmm. far as front yeah. office and coaching staff members, and, and it feels like it's all happening at once. This, this is a big chunk of the coaching staff, and, and we've seen replacements. and I, I think a former defensive coordinator and Joe Cullen is going to do a good job. I think Brendan Daly... Uh, again, we've talked about that where he's going to head to the linebackers room and continue to build experience as he tries to become a defensive coordinator in this league. But I think you're finally seeing the Chiefs get plucked in a sense and that they don't have this on the rundown from a grander standpoint. Uh, as it stands with Eric Bienemy now, I don't know, and and you nailed this, John, last time, and I kind of pushed back, and and I think I might have been wrong here uh, from what I've kind of heard wow. through this. I need to write is, this down here. Yeah, it doesn't happen often, so try to remember it. Burn it into the brain. Uh, that's that's critical, but it seems like Eric Bieniemy. If we hear nothing, I mean, that means it, it, I think it's just status quo when it comes to him mm-hmm. being offensive yeah. coordinator. My feel on this situation, and and like Matthew, this is another thing we've talked about to to an extensive point. My feel on the situation with Eric Bieniemy is, ideally, right now he'd be with a head co- uh, with a head coach with another team. Ideally, if that was not possible, he'd be an offensive coordinator with another team. And I think both parties really do feel that way. But I think that there's just a situation here where there's nothing left. Everything kind of has been decided and and given out. And I think maybe the enemy in his own right has come to terms with, I I, I might need to call plays for another team. But it seems like everyone had their plans. And by the time he was done interviewing Mm and the Chiefs were done playing, it was all decided. So maybe the next step is for the next season. You have the enemy go through this again with the chiefs. As far as we know right now, again, there's been no announcement that as mm-hmm. of this recording and rather than trying to, again, go with this head coaching thing and, and where there's this, all this, this stuff that's going on where you don't really know what's going on. He seeks out maybe like an old coordinator role mm-hmm. and goes in that, you know, with that, I think, What'll be very interesting to me is who becomes the replacement quarterbacks coach of the chiefs, because I feel like that would be maybe the next uh, offensive coordinator in line to replace the enemy. But as of now, and I, I don't think it's been by design, like that's my feeling the situation. I think the enemy, you know, he doesn't want to take a year off. That's very dangerous to do in the NFL. I'll just assume you're going to be back in the mix in that same kind of role the next year. I think he'll he'll as of now be the oh, coordinator for the Chiefs as awkward as that may be. And, and I think uh, another year uh, with, the, with under Andy Reid is not the worst thing in the world, but it's just a, a weird scenario at, at this point where I, I think maybe the Chiefs would like a fresh start, but it, it just doesn't seem feasible, and I don't want to do wrong by their guy, which is, which is, I think, the right thing to do mm-hmm. ultimately.
1: I know. Where do you land on this? Well, a week ago, we were talking about the fact that the Chiefs had said that, well, it, it had leaked that the that Andy Reid and Eric Bieniemy were going to have a meeting about his future yes. with the team or perhaps with another team. And that's kind of a rare piece of information to be coming out of the front office at, at one right. Arrowhead Drive. So we assumed it was true. Uh, you, you're just not going to get a lot of leaks like that from the Chiefs. And if if one exists, it's because they want you to know that. And right. that was a warning. Uh, enemy might be on his way out. But here it is a week later, and nothing has happened. And I, I think I said last week that every day that goes by that there isn't some kind of an announcement about enemy is further evidence that he's going to be back
0: uh, I, I, in
1: the coming season. And I, I think that's where we are right now.
2: Mike Schefter, though, and one of the other points is, and we'd mentioned it before, is, is Pelissero with NFL Network. He floated out that his contract was up, but he also floated out to me a, a clear indication that Biammi was okay with that news hitting the wire that he was a hot coaching candidate very mm-hmm. neutral tweet like sometimes you're like well this who is this helping out i think it was the team because you know i i think everyone felt a fresh start would be great and i also think it was Biammi saying well I, i'd love to be considered maybe for an offensive coordinator for another mm-hmm. team because this, there is a somewhat of a stale aspect to it i don't I'm going to be careful here. I don't want to go as far as to say this is Bob Sutton all over again because Eric Biennium has done a bang-up job. Mm-hmm. But I think Sutton, again, doing a worse job, was around for a year too long, and I just sense that there's going to be a little bit of a parallel to enemy kind of doing the last year and sort of knowing it. In a sense, and uh, if there is any any things that uh, you know need to be discussed between Reed and Mahomes and Bienemy, you got to hope that they work all those things out ahead of you know what will have to be a a working relationship. That again, I mean the end the end goal is always going to be the Super Bowl with this team because they're that good and they have Mahomes. And so I mean you got to work all that out beforehand. And I have the confidence that they will. I mean, Andy Reid is the best at this, but I just think it, it'll it be an interesting and in a, and, and a way, I don't want to say uncomfortable, but
1: you know, it, something to, to monitor. Right? You know what I mean? I don't mm-hmm. know. So. Well, I think they made the same decision last year. We're going to give you a one-year contract. Because right. um, you should recall that his contract was up after the Super Bowl last year. Right. And uh, and they gave him another one year contract thinking that he would not need another contract with the Chiefs uh, for for this coming season. And uh, now it turns out that he does. So it's sort of a continuation of what in their minds may have been an awkward situation all along. And they seem to do okay with it. Um, I mean, you know, they got back to the AFC championship and, you know, minus a couple of plays might have made it to the Super Bowl again and might have won. Who knows? Yeah. Um, you know, I, I, obviously with the, the team and the coach that the Chiefs have, um, you're going to be in the mix for a championship every year. Um, yes, when you're in a situation like that, everybody thinks anything less than a Super Bowl victory is a failure. That's fair. Um, but it wasn't a bad season. You know, it's not like the team took a big step backwards because they were, you know, they had awkwardness about <laughs> Eric Bieniemy being the offensive right. coordinator for another year. So I, I see no real reason to be concerned about that for this year, although I grant your point, um, you know, from their perspective, it, it might make things a little awkward uh, in the coaching suite.
2: Right. And and just so everybody knows and because there's I don't have to tell the great people of chiefs kingdom there's been far too much speculation into this what happens here is it all comes to a head on march 16th i've been told that's the new league year so that's when remember there's not going to be announcement as you alluded to john so that's when the new league year begins and that's when we can go to the chiefs um, documentation on their website and everything should be updated and if that time period comes and and eric b is still as uh, going through these free agency and and draft meetings and is in the building and we should see it on chiefs.com and in the media guide and what i would anticipate is another one-year deal and much like orlando brown they kicked this can uh to to Mm -hmm. 2023 so right weird situation uh you you hope the best for everybody and, and ultimately i i think we all feel the same about it like Eric Biannimi deserves a shot at this, right? I mean, there were much worse coaches over the past few years that have gotten opportunities that have been embarrassing. And so hopefully it happens for him in in 2023. All right, Jared covered this for us. Jared Sapp, the great Jared Sapp uh, at Arrowhead Pride. The Chiefs have a lot of MVPs that they're facing in – what will be the 2022 regular season when it comes to opponents? So, of course, the Chiefs have the co-favorite, which is Patrick Mahomes and Aaron Rodgers. By the end of this this day that we're recording, maybe it'll just be Mahomes because Rodgers may be calling it quits. It it is coming to a head. It seems like on on Tuesday here, but eleven of the other top sixteen candidates the Chiefs will end up facing uh, during the 2022 regular season and and john you're very familiar with how this league schedules when you finished first place in the Mm -hmm. league every year that means you're going to have a very difficult schedule
1: well it's it's the the easiest way to get a more difficult schedule that's for sure because three of your games are based on where you finished in your division it used to be two and now with the 17th game being against a, a a team in the other conference that you played the season before last that finished in the same place. It's all too complicated to explain. I have to stop and think about it. But yes, three of your games every every year of the seventeen are based on uh, your one loss record and where you placed in your division in the previous season. So uh, the Chiefs are going to have a, a more difficult schedule than you know most other teams, and um, so it's it's it stands to reason that uh they'll face a lot of good players including MVP candidates and as Jared noted there's going to be quite a few of them this year. So uh it's just another indicator that the Chiefs are going to have a difficult uh road next year as they should. Right, um, Josh Josh Allen is
2: among the candidates 9 to 1, Joe Burrow justin Herbert 12 to 1 and 14 to 1 respectively. The Chiefs will host the Bills next year and they'll face the Bengals on the road. Of course they'll play the Charges twice. Derek Carr is on the list. Uh, quarterback mm-hmm. um, Jalen Hurts, wide receiver Debo Samuel, also on the list. The Chiefs are actually traveling to uh, play the Cardinals. We have Kyler Murray. They will host the Seattle Seahawks, which we think will be Russ Wilson at this time. The Chiefs will face the world champion Rams, John. I know as weird as that to, to say. So they'll <laughs> be getting a little bit of Matt Stafford. They'll face both running backs on this list. Running backs are always a dark horse, Derek Henry and the Titans. The Chiefs will see. They'll see Jonathan Taylor and the Colts. Wonder who, who will be the quarterback for them at that time. But yeah. So another tough road. And, and it's a 17-game schedule. As and as we said, we think they're actually also going to, I'm going to be clear here, Germany. And so it's it's gonna be a, a tough road to to get back to what will be a fifth straight AFC title game. And you know, I think if there's anyone that could figure this thing out and how to beat these teams, it's Andy Reid and, and Mahomes. And we expect they revamp Patrick Mahomes in twenty twenty two, and that'll certainly help. All right. Combine it's coming up soon, March first. We will be covering it at AP, of course, for you. Everything you need to know. One thing that fell, John, was this combine bubble situation where the NFL initially said that these players were not necessarily going to be able to have their their teams in with them. And and, you know, for covid situation, they would only be allowed one representative. And there was about to be a a boycott of this, but it it seemed like the NFL said we need the NFL combine because we have six days of NFL network coverage that we have to fill
1: that we probably promised ads to. So yes, this bubble has burst, right? <laughs> right. Well, that's the the bottom line to it, of course, is that the, the combine television coverage has become a valuable thing to the league. Um, and it's something that people watch. And, and I, I think that NFL network sometimes struggles to get people to watch, uh, total access for the fourth time today. Uh, <laughs> So you know, new programming like this—that's that's, uh, that's different—that's live—is a valuable asset for them, and that's why these players and their agents felt like they had some leverage on the situation, and they weren't happy about uh, particularly the uh, the situation with the uh, their entourage, for lack of a better word, these athletic trainers and masseuses and you know who knows what workout coaches who come with these players to the combine. And uh, support them while they're they're going through this process. And under the rules that they announced over the weekend, uh, they were going to be each player was going to be limited to one such person. And that wasn't okay with the players or their agents. And so a big chunk of them said, well, you know, we're thinking maybe not participating in this deal. And what do you know? um the the (laughs) league has caved in and said okay you can bring your entourage and uh you know maybe they don't have to wear masks all the time Uh, yeah it's not worth getting into all the specifics of it but they caved in a little bit and now it looks like the threat of a boycott is over but but we'll we'll see nothing official has ever transpired on any of this stuff so it's all been reports so We'll just see. like
2: just like the HBO show entourage, you can follow the money to figure out how all these <laughs> right. decisions are made. <laughs> right. I think this is interesting. I mentioned it on our SB Nation NFL show. If you ever care to listen to me talk about the league as a whole, we I do Monday Football Monday with RJ show. This is something I mentioned. I think this might be a big fail point for the NFL because I, I think they really regard the combine as one of the pillars of the league. problem is when you have COVID and you go on the pro day circuit and now all these cameras are at the pro day circuit and you're seeing bill Belichick talk to Nick Saban and all Mm -hmm. these athletes. Yeah. The pro day numbers always tend to be better than the combine. And especially if you're a top 50 prospect, even if you don't go to the combine, you're probably going to have better numbers at your pro day. And guess what? The scouts are all going to be there and they're going to be taking your times. And they're probably going to be better than they ever were at the combine. The combine isn't a great setup. Sometimes players are malnourished. It's cold. It's they send them out. Into the you know, Indianapolis and unfamiliar territory. They're, they perform much better on their college campuses. And the grand takeaway I got from this was all right, so we have all these agents. They're finally speaking their mind in a public forum. There's a lot mm-hmm. of these agents on Twitter now. And I, my takeaway from the whole thing was like, they don't even like the Combine much to begin with. And right. so now the NFL is giving them a reason not to go and telling mm-hmm. players not to go. I think it was a big mistake. And I think you might see a trend of, players getting uh, away from the combine and just doing their pro days and just opting to do that. Uh, unless there's maybe like a rule that, that NF, the NFL says you want to enter the draft, you got to come to the combine. Maybe that, it comes to that eventually who knows. But I, I think as the NFL and we mentioned the TV rights, now they have to fill NFL network as the NFL gets ready to make this an every year destination. Remember it's leaving Indianapolis after this year. Mm -hmm. that they may I think this was a mistake and it might not be one that they can ultimately go back on because guess what if I'm a top 50 prospect and I played at Alabama and I've seen all the cameras there already and all the coach, what what motivation do I have to run poor numbers at the combine Mm -hmm. you know I don't I don't know I I would I don't know why I would do that especially because I know I'm already going to be picked in the top 50 now you know, you talk about past uh, day one or day two, I think you're getting into a different argument, but I don't know. I just, I, I feel like it was a mistake by the league that, that might have repercussions past what would be, you know, 2022. That Well, right.
1: the two most interesting things to me about this are one that the agents are unifying, you know, that right. you've got these guys who are in cutthroat competition to sign these players, you know, I saw the Jerry Maguire movie. You know, I know these guys are fighting for these guys all the time. You know, I understand how this works. And here they are getting together and kind of colluding to create this this, uh, boycott possibility. So I thought that was a a very interesting part of this. Um, And beside that, I, I think it's interesting that the NFLPA has never liked this. And that came up in our coverage of this story on Monday. Um, and there was some speculation that it was more about the NFLPA's longstanding opposition to this event on for a number of reasons that had nothing to do with the, the bubble uh, that they announced on Saturday. But now it seems more like as far as the agents and the players were concerned, it was about the entourage issue, which has now been solved. So, um, you know, it's a weird deal because the players don't really have rep- representation. Unlike being an NFL player, where you've got a union that stands up for you, there's no union for guys who are going to the draft. You know, there's right. no there's no college players' union. Although we might see that someday, um, right. now that things have changed in in college sports, uh, maybe we're going to see that someday, some kind of a an organization that the players can use to collectively bargain with the universities. Boy, that'll be a different thing, won't it? Um, this was almost but, a piece together union yeah, for uh-huh, the unrepresented, right. essentially. Yeah. I just uh-huh. think
2: that that you <laughs> what the ownership never wants folks to to unionize, and the right, uncle right. gave them a reason to pseudo yeah.
1: mm-hmm.
2: unionize. And John, I yeah. have to do it. I have to do it. Show me the <laughs> money," a <laughs> <laughs> Jerry Maguire. By the way, I mean, I I know this is something that a lot of people know, similar to Demetrius Harris playing basketball, but Jerry Maguire is Lee Steinberg, which is Patrick Mahomes' agent, of course. Mm -hmm. For those who didn't know, it's a little tidbit for you. I I think a lot of people know that already. All right. Uh, Let's get to the next story here. And fun story here. Off-season race brewing between Tyreek Hill and DK Metcalf. DK Metcalf made a a mistake. These people that think that they can beat Tyreek Hill in the race that aren't Hussein both. Are, are nuts. I mean, he's the fastest player I've ever seen. He's the fastest human being I've ever seen, and I understand DK Metcalf is pretty fast, but he went to TMZ again, asked with a camera in his face if he can beat Tyreek Hill in a race for, for what it's worth. What is he going to say now? But he said, yeah, I can beat Tyree Hill in a race, so of course Tyree Kill hears this and he says on Twitter, Usain I'm talking about Usain both now, the eight-time Olympic gold medalist, after I warm up on DK, I'm coming for you. So I'll use Metcalf as a warm up, And then oh, man. later on tweeted, oh, no, this was like a second later. I'm looking at the timestamp. I'm about to race everybody that call me out. Let's go. So, John, it, I know you've been dying to race Tyreek Hill. He oh, says no, everybody here, if you want to do it, that now is your opportunity. It's the, it's this offseason. I predict Tyreek will win that race uh, if it ever occurs. Do you think that he could actually beat? I mean, I know this is such a dumb topic, but, but I I'm, I find myself thinking about it sometimes because we've talked about it so much. And I think that he maybe could, but I, I don't know if we'll ever like actually see it. I, I think it is interesting that when uh, I was recently in, in one of these off seasons where, where Tyreek Hill was thinking about doing the Summer Olympics and he used to be a sprinter. So I, I don't know. What do you think?
1: Well, I think he can beat me. I want to be clear. I was saying I'm sure he can beat me. I'm not so sure about Usain Bolt. But the thing is that Bolt has been out of it for a while. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. and Maybe too many McDonald's
2: cheeseburgers. Right.
1: And so I'm I'm sure he's very fast. I'm sure there's a lot of players in the NFL he could leave in the dust. But whether Tyreek Hill is that guy is another question. It'd be a very interesting race. I think a race between Hill and DK Metcalf would be very interesting just because, you know, people are always talking about how, you know, they should have gotten DK Metcalf instead of McCole Hardman. Let's not open that can of worms. Um, so any kind of a race that involves Metcalf is going to be interesting to Chiefs fans. I get this is fun and, and we'll talk about it. We'll cover it because people are interested. That's fine. I just hope none of these, but none of these guys get hurt. Thing, stuff <laughs> right. like this. I, I mean, I just... It, it oh out. man, it just makes it's me Tyree crazy. Kill.
2: Tyree Kill, in a sense, is... Uh, I mean, not in a sense. He's actually he's going into a contract year, so mm-hmm. this does yeah. not seem. I mean, if I'm the agent, I'm like, listen, hey, <laughs> man, uh, what are we doing here? Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, not this, not this offseason. Uh, I wish that he would have actually ran in that Pro Bowl skills competition. It seemed like he half-assed it but mm-hmm. now that i'm talking out loud and i'm talking myself into it maybe it was quite literally his agent saying we're not we're not really gonna really
1: race this hard. <laughs> or or, or maybe or maybe he's like a pool room hustler he's just trying to, sure. to right. yeah to Mike give everybody the opportunity to try anyone. and beat him yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. so know. who knows we'll uh definitely
2: keep track of the Tyree Kill race speed at Arrowhead Pride this offseason, because like NFL Network, we have space to fill uh, during the <laughs> offseason. So, of course, we're going to keep you updated on that. All right. Uh, coming up next, we're going to talk about Pro Football Focus and their pick for the most improved chief in 2021. I put up a poll this morning, our new thing, and had you weigh in. So stay with us. You're listening to the Arrowhead Pride Editor's Show. Back here on the Arrowhead Pride Editor's show, we have successfully gone through the news of the past week. The franchise tag window has opened up, and I guess you could say this player could be franchise tagged. I don't expect it, but he's an impending free agent. Pro Football Focus came out and said that the most improved chief... In the 2021 season, this is 2020 to 2021, was cornerback Charvarius Ward. Ward is due to become a UFA. I'll read the description here from PFF writer Anthony Treish. Ward was picked on more in 21, 2021 than in any other season of his career. He was targeted on 17.9% of his coverage, snaps the 14th highest rate among NFL corners. Despite that, Ward held his own and recorded a career-high PFF grade. He generated 0. 0.37 PFF WAR, which is wins over replacement above replacement, which ranked 16th among NFL corners and was over seven tenths more than his previous career best. So, John, I'll turn to you. Do you agree with Travis Ward as the pick for 2021 most improved?
1: Well, uh, as always, it's it's good to look inside these statistics over the season. His numbers were about the same as they were in 2020. Um, it really wasn't that s- substantial an improvement. But when you include the regular season and postseason together, then his numbers were substantially different. His PFF numbers, his PFF grades were substantially better in 21 over 20. And that's because he put in two really good performances. In two of the three postseason games, and that pushed up his his average for the year because those those postseason, those two postseason performances were so good. So I think it's a little unfair to uh, to point to his PFF grade as evidence that he had a big year over year improvement because it was so dependent on uh, those two games being so good. And of course, you want to you want your players to play their best in the postseason. So maybe that's a a point in his favor uh, for making a big improvement uh, over the previous season. But um, you know, if you're just going to go on the PFF grades to make that calculation, I'm not sure that Ward is the guy. Um, You know, Andrew Wiley's grade was much better over the whole season than it was in 2020. But I don't see anybody talking about Andrew Wiley. To me, this is about giving credit to a guy who doesn't get much credit for the work that he does. And that's true about Ward. Um, It's this is a pet peeve of mine that where you're drafted sticks to you like glue for your entire NFL career. You know, you got a guy who's been in the league for 10 years. And when he's introduced on TV and he's playing in a game in his 10th season, they always mention that he was drafted in the second round in, you know, 10 years ago. Well, 10 years ago, it doesn't matter what round he was drafted in. And Tarverius Ward has been a starter in this league For three and a half years I don't think it matters anymore that he's an undrafted free agent But because he was People have never expected much from him And right. he has been a good, solid cornerback Yes, the Chiefs made a, a great move to get a hold of him uh, they, they saw something there that other, other teams didn't see And they deserve credit for that But uh, I think most of this is just saying Well, Ward is better than we ever thought he would be <laughs> And, right and and that's that's something that is absolutely something and i'm not saying ward is bad ward has been a solid player but i try real hard not to let those you know uh pre-nfl expectations color my judgment to these players he's been a solid player and that's all i need to know
2: yeah i, I wish that undrafted thing translated to how fans felt about daniel Sorensen it, it sure doesn't right for him, at least, in that case. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Pretty impressive by the Chiefs personnel staff, I think, for acquiring Ward and recognizing that talent at the end of 2018's training camp. Remember, they sent Parker Anger for Ward, yeah. which is a terrible mistake by the Cowboys for yeah. making that trade. Because Anger really, really never panned up into anything. Yeah. Ward ended up, again, with 56 regular season games. He has 43 starts. He's really, I think, loved by the Chiefs coaching staff. I've seen some people out there say that he is going to sign on the open market for like 8 and t- 9 and $10 million. I can't think that that's true when I look at some of these names that are uh, making that much money in, in the NFL when it comes to, uh, again, the average per year cap number. But I, what I will say is if he is worth that, I don't think the Chiefs are going to be able to pay it with what they have to do when it comes to getting that, luxury third weapon which i know they want they're going to fix this entire defensive line they have to bolster uh i believe the secondary through the draft if they can and the value matches i i don't know if you can and that would be to me as good as ward has been good mm-hmm. not great as good mm-hmm. as he has been mm-hmm. you can't overpay with great money for a good player and i i don't if i had to tell you right now uh i don't think ward is here next year that would be my best guess i i think i think the money is going to tab them out because of the predictions now you give me five to six million for Treverus Ward uh, as far as a cap number I, I think that might be worth it but if it's like in the eight or nine or ten range the chiefs have managed I, I know people hate to hear this but they've managed with these guys that come in and and are more like what would be considered depth roles it's almost like why can't they do it again? Uh, then you get into deep conversations about well, is Matthew going to be here? <laughs> you know, there's all right, all right. kinds of things. So a lot of moving. I don't part. know. I I would say my gut tells me that Ward won't be
1: here. I think he'll price himself out. That's distinctly possible. Yeah. Uh, but then again, uh, you know, he may not get the kinds of opportunities uh, in for with another team as he would in Kansas City. So. Um, I mean, yeah, I I guess if a team is going to pay him $8 million, they're certainly going to play him. He's going to start, he's going to get a lot of, a lot of playing, but, um, uh, you have to wonder how Ward feels about that and, uh, and how much money it's going to take for him to go someplace else. You know, the chiefs believed in him. And if I were a player that would count for something. Now I recognized I'm not a player. You know, I'm not having all that money waved in front of my nose, and and I'm sure that would change my perspectives a certain to a certain degree. Right. But I, I also think that Ward should probably recognize, uh, probably does recognize that the Chiefs took a flyer on him and it's paid off for him. Uh, maybe he wants to just get paid for that, or maybe he'd like to to stay with Kansas City if there's a way to make that happen. I we'll just have to see. I, I, I don't Ward, get wrong, he could easily go someplace else. Got a good dad joke here for you, John. For oh, Ward, good. it's not
2: "Show me the money," it's "Show me the Mooney." Little Chiefs joke.
1: Oh, okay, yeah. I'm Definitely a bad it. joke there. Don't
2: ask me to apologize. I don't want. I don't want to be tweeted at. Don't tweet <laughs> at me. I'm not saying sorry for that. Do you agree that Ward was the
1: most improved player of 2021? I, I I'm not sure. I I would. I, I, like I said, if you want to look at the PFF grades, I think Wiley makes a better case. Wow. And, um, <laughs> you know, part of the problem with Wiley, of course, is he didn't have a great season in 2020, but he he was solid this year. Uh, and when he was brought in and, and, and you know, in the Super Bowl, he, he played right tackle and everybody was like, oh, my God, he was awful in the Super Bowl. Well, they put him back at right tackle this year and he was solid, did a good job and um and i think he deserves some recognition for that now whether it was the biggest improvement i don't know but um you know ward has just been this year who he has been the whole time to me and uh i think there are other players that could make a case for having a bigger improvement um but but i don't want to diminish ward's play at all uh, you can say I, it john I, he is who we thought he were Right, right. And and he's just continued to be that a good, solid player in the secondary for the Chiefs. Uh, Love the guy's contributions. I just I'm just not sure that he is the guy that that really deserves this label for uh, the 2021 season. Shout out to former Chiefs head coach, Romeo Cornell. I asked Twitter
2: this. Who was the Chiefs most improved player from 2020 to 2021? I put Willie Gay. Again, I again on I just need to get on Twitter about these four options. I need I needed about 10 for this, but Willie Gay Jr. I put Rashad Fenton, Byron Pringle, Traverius Ward. Sorry, John, I didn't include Andrew Wiley. Yeah. Well. 49% of Chiefs fans said Willie Gay.
1: That's not that's fair. Yeah.
2: Surprising to me here was next Byron Pringle coming in at 21.8 followed by Rashad Fenton at 15.5. Traverius Ward only got 13. So not a lot of Chiefs fans agreeing with PFF. I'll read some of of the write-ins here. Brian Tremblay said, to your credit, John Andrew Wiley, he was holding his own at right tackle. A biased Chiefs fan said, Gay and Pringle have been better than everyone thinks, but just got way more chances to prove it this year. With that being said, I think Willie's a very good linebacker, while Byron is just a great wide receiver for to have curl Scouts <laughs> curl Scouts. hmm this is kind of tough, but I'm going with Rashad simply because he was a sixth rounder and had a, a big impact. Uh, Ian Corey, can gay fall into this description? I always thought him excellent this year. he proved to be so again. improvements suggests a lower starting point. both cornerbacks fit here as well. Uh, Mahomes is still my goat. Gay has been great and stayed great. Pringle and Ward were decent, turned out to be key contributors. but Fenton went from a liability to sometimes locking some receivers down. I think he improved the most. And then uh, last comment here, Fenton or Gay. Gay has been super underrated. Gay feels right. It seems like he was lost in 2020, but at a certain point this year, Rashawn Fenton to the PFF grade was being compared to, to Jalen Ramsey. And I think you saw how much the Chiefs missed him in the Bills playoff game. The Chiefs were missing Matthew, and I think a lot is made about Matthew in that game leaving after seven snaps. But the problem, I think even bigger than that, was Matthew and Fenton. And I don't know if the Chiefs ever thought Fenton would be more than, in a way, a backup nickel. And I think he's really proven to be extremely valuable. And I wonder, I'm wondering out loud here, if they're looking at Fenton and saying, we feel comfortable with... Him maybe being the guy to, to mm-hmm. step in for Ward, we can pencil him in at least. We can see what we can get in free agency, and but let's pencil him in for now, and maybe we can prove it. But if we have to, we feel okay going to the draft. And then I, I think what the Chiefs are going to hope is that somebody falls to them to put in that cornerback room. It, you know, I can I continue to look at this roster, and I just like think there are so many needs to fill. And I just look at the money right now. And I know Brett Veach and I talked about Shea and Tillis, they're going to wave their magic wand at a certain point. But I'm, I just wonder how much money can they really free up to make all these improvements? It just feels mm-hmm. a little bit daunting
1: right now, doesn't it? It does. But it always feels this way. I mean, every season, uh, yeah. you know, under Veach, we've gone into the offseason with this really <laughs> low cap number. And it's like, what and can saying- they do? What can they do? And they always figure out something.
2: He's been open and saying that they figured that the cap number would be even more so they're they're up against it a little bit this year Mm -hmm. i that's why i don't know fans don't want to hear this i'm i think almost i don't want to say super curbed expectations but i think the parity is going to be a little bit greater i think the uh, the battle is going to be a lot more uphill to really get that first round by than it's been these past several years for this year in particular because i think there are going to be some deficiencies that just come because of the cap and the pandemic and and you know, we talk about the planning. They tried to plan for this, but then the cap went all the way down because the owners need to make their money back. And again, the projections—I I think they still thought the cap would be a little bit further up this year, so they'll be trying to figure that out. It's—it's it, it's interesting. I mean, I look—you look at this roster. And there's just so many free agents, and—and and I think even even more so than like the start is just the
0: depth. There's
2: no—you know—you worry about the depth a little bit. I think of this roster. I don't know. All right, uh, let's make our predictions here. John, I'll start with you. Way too early prediction for the most improved in twenty twenty two. Who
1: will that be? Patrick Mahomes. Oh wow, he's gonna get better. What do you think? Sixty touchdowns? No, I think that I think that uh, he had a really poor season in twenty twenty. So I think he's the guy that's that has the best opportunity to step up and be an improved player in in twenty twenty two is because he's coming off an off season. Patrick Mahomes had his sophomore slump in his fifth NFL season. Is it his fifth this year? Yeah, I think that's right. And That's where he had his sophomore sophomore slump. I think he's going to come out of it. I think he's going to have a great season next year, and I think we're going to make him the most improved player over the year before because he will be. That's what I think. <sighs> okay.
2: I'm I'm between two guys right now. I'm trying to figure out who I want to go with. I'll tell you the names. Clyde and McColl. Mm. Uh I really liked how McColl looked toward the end of the season in the playoffs. Yeah, and more than that, you can only take so much from these press conferences, but I just felt like he had an attitude shift. I don't even know um, where it came from or, or what, but I, I felt like toward the end of the year, he became more of the, these guys who was like, I just want to touch the ball and do whatever, you know, it takes to win. And I know that's a little bit of a cliche, but I just, I sense some, it was genuine. And I really think the Chiefs recognize toward the end of the year that they have a special player in McColl. I've come a long way on McColl. At times, I, I'll be honest, I call him a glorified D'Anthony Thomas. But, again, and I, I'm going to be careful here, but I think he really has some Debo to his game. And I think he could be an X factor, especially if you consider, okay, the Chiefs might go and get another receiver that would add – almost another decoy to maybe some of the things that you can do with McCall Hardman in the, in the backfield and Hardman, he, he's a prideful guy and he's going into a contract year. I like Clyde though. If Clyde just wouldn't get injured then I think he would be the most improved. So I, I can't bet on yeah. that. So I'm going to mm-hmm. go with McCall. I'm going to go with cause I, I want to bet on Clyde, but I just, I don't have confidence right now. He's, you know, when I say McCall has a little Debo to him, I don't want to say it, uh, um, you know, too sheepishly, but like, Clyde, unfortunately, has a little bit of Sammy to him, where it's, it's you
1: kind of expect that there's going to be an injury stretch. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I, don't, I feel bad saying that. I have to tell you. I feel bad saying yeah.
1: that. Yeah. Well, so, but it's not wrong. I mean, that's no been on. the issue with with uh, with uh, yeah. Edwards-Alaris, that he's been injured a lot. Yeah, and If, I, we if would you have,
2: could guarantee me 17 games, I would say Clyde, but I don't feel good about that. So I'm going to say mm-hmm.
1: Nicole. Yeah. Yeah, I understand. I mean, I have to, I have to say, he's I like not... what I, we saw with it, with Edward Ziller at the end of the season once he came that... back from the most recent problem. But yeah, he's had a lot of those problems. I want that's... to be clear that's that's very that's if McColl isn't traded to
2: the New Orleans Saints for a fourth rounder on draft on draft day because who knows that could be a possibility as well. Um, he's got to be a Chief. So uh, if you you know are listening to this and it's past the draft season, you're just going back. I and McColl is now a Saint. I pick Clyde for for you guys in the future. Right now. I'm sticking with McColl, um,
1: and John. You said Patrick Mahomes, okay. That's just, but that's, but that's a trick question, though. For me, it's like, yeah, well, he's going to have the biggest improvement just because he had what for him is an off season in twenty twenty one. It's an interesting
2: pick because I, I still think he's among the best. I just, I just think for his for his standard, it was. It was sort of a poor season, but right, You know, maybe right. maybe that's standard. So, will I'd arrive. still
1: I'd still take him over any quarterback in the NFL. Let's be clear about that. I'm you know I'm not saying that he had a bad season. I'm saying he had what was statistically a down season for him. Uh, it'd been a great season for any other quarterback, obviously, but it was a you, down season for him. And you know, and I think it wouldn't be hard for him to come back from that and be much much better. What's been unfair for Patrick at the age of twenty
2: five and twenty six in and. You know, you talk about the weight of, of uh, a front office and a head coach when a team is Super Bowl or bust. Mahomes has created this MVP or bust mentality. Mm, yeah. If he's mm-hmm. not winning the MVP. I mean, he's he's the favorite again. He's the favorite again. Think about that. Mm-hmm. After yeah. all the struggles this year. So it's tough it's tough when I, I think you're, you're still developing in a sense, which is wild to say, and defenses are, are working and they're working hardest on you, especially in the AFC West to figure that out. Like, how can we even remotely stop this guy and they have some success. And all of a sudden you're getting written off by these talking head shows. And you have to deal with all that at, at the age of 25 or 26. It's just, it sometimes I think is an unfair expectation. When, if you really look at his numbers, I mean, they're among the most consistent and best in the league, but, yeah. No, I, I think you might be right. And, and if he does get back to MVP caliber and, and take that crown from Aaron Rodgers, which he has had the past two years, then how could you not say that he's the most improved when you go from non-MVP right. to MVP? I think that right. that works yeah. out. Right. Yeah, go ahead.
1: You know, uh, Steve Spagnola made this point earlier this year. And, and I really struck with me because I've thought the same thing for a long time that he said, being a defensive back is one of the hardest positions in the league to play because You give up one long pass, one long touchdown pass, and all of a sudden the fans think you're a bum. that you can't can't cover anybody. And so I think that's a really hard position to play. And I think that the second hardest position to play in the NFL is being Patrick Mahomes for just the reasons that you're saying, that people's expectations of him are so high that anything less than MVP is a failure. And, uh, you know, he's not going to be the MVP every season. And uh, you know he had what was it six of his worst ten games this this mm-hmm. past season. Uh, that's not a good season for, for Patrick Mahomes. So I, I and 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 as you say, he's already you know uh, one of the leading contenders to be to be the MVP next year. Everybody else agrees that he's going to come back from this, and if he does, it'll be the biggest improvement. So you know I, I feel pretty good about my prediction. Just
2: as as you have high expectations. For Patrick Mahomes. We hope you have high expectations for us here on the Arrowhead Pride Editor Show. If we met your expectations, please come on.
1: (laughs) Another great segue.
2: Leave (laughs) us us a rating and a review. We did a great show here. We had the, the news. We talked about the most improved chief. We'll be keeping up the draft talk. Ron Kopp is doing a great job on Mondays and Fridays for us on that front. I, I want to say this, John, like, right now it's like Ron Kopp and friends, and I, I think the, the friends and, and Ron are, are nailing our draft coverage. So yeah. keep it locked in on the Arrowhead Pride podcast network. We'll be keeping uh, you updated as far as draft coverage and news coverage throughout the offseason. So for Steve Serta and John Dixon, my name is Pete Sweeney. Thank you once again for joining us on the Arrowhead Pride editor's show.